This is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming to you from Key Largo. I'm here with Jenna Kelly. Hello, Jim. Yes. It's episode 205. 205. I'm going to call this episode Daytime Stripper. Ooh. I'll tell you a reason that. But we were talking about, um, I had a car problem and I was doing a lot of research and actually a mechanic helped me out. A friend of mine. Actually, I I started, the, the, the instrument panel went dead. Yes. And I told you the whole thing and... Uh, I changed the fuse, and the, I I don't know a lot about cars, but I I used to do car, car rebuilds and all that stuff. I know more than a lot of other people, I guess. Right. I'm not that great, but I mean I I know enough to reset the the you know to, to pull uh, you know when a car's not starting to check the cables and all that stuff that yep. there were. And uh, well, this one was I didn't figure I couldn't figure it out, and then actually it was Keith. Yeah. Explain it to me. The take the cables off the battery completely and, and put them together. Yeah. And he said discharge the um, the diodes, the diodes and capacitors. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would reset the the um, it's called the instrument cluster panel or the the computer the the chips inside that panel whatever something exactly. like that. So. It didn't really happen with that, but I had the lights go on and all that stuff, and all the all the idiot lights went on, and uh, then finally one day after four days, I'm, I was running home. I was using people say, "Jim, how can you drive without an odometer, speedometer?" Well, you know, because of um, I was I was looking for a new car. I wanted to keep this one through January actually because I wanted to wait till the springtime, and um, I went home. Uh, to walk my dog in the middle of a long day. And when I got home, I, I got back in the car and everything popped up. Perfect. Been working. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's like, like, uh, some, like uh, car mechanic gnome or elf <laughs> jumped under the hood of my car and fixed everything. I actually even broke <laughs> the dashboard oh. of the car because I banged it and it broke <laughs> No, I know. It's not I driving around in the ghetto cruiser with a broken. Dash. It's not. No, it's not that. It's not that bad. You don't even notice it. I broke the other side, so it looks like a design feature. Oh well, there you go. No, it, it broke clean. It broke clean. So there's nothing really bad about it. So you were describing. I was asking you about work and uh, some when people try to fix things, and this has nothing to do with daytime strippers. No, it doesn't. But but I'll explain that, and it goes back. To, there's other things after, but we want to talk about this. You you had an incident. You told me about a lady, and I thought just the questions you were asking was kind of interesting segue, which I will work for. The lady came in and bought a motor, a pre-owned a motor, pre-owned which motor. very rarely do I have. pre-loved, right? Because usually when people come in to do a repower, mm-hmm. that's what we call it. Usually you don't put a new engine on your boat unless your old engine is taking a shed, right? So usually the ones that I take off of boats yeah. are garbage. You can sell them for parts or sell them to wholesalers. Yeah. But in this case, um, the people that traded it in came in and traded in a 50-horse motor so that they could upgrade to a 90-horse motor on their Boston Whaler, which uh-huh. is, it was rated for. It's just time. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go a little faster. So this motor is pretty new. It's only a couple years old. Mm-hmm. doesn't have very many hours on it. And she came in and she wanted to buy this engine for cash. And I said, okay, well what are you putting it on? And she's like, well, my husband's doing it himself. He's going he's gonna to rig it himself. And I said, okay, well, you're not buying any of the parts. I don't see that you're getting, 
you know, the throttle, the wiring mm-hmm. harness, the gauges. I mean, the boat's not going to run with these things. And she just kind of gave me a blank stare. So I said, well, what's on it now? She thought she was going to just pop just it on. put a new motor on. Uh. And I said, well, what's on the boat now? And she said, oh, well, it's an old Johnson. It's a 1994. That's the part where I wanted to get to. And I said, well, that's a two-stroke. You, you know, know, if you... Yeah, yeah, two strokes are pretty good for an old Johnson. But um, <laughs> an old Johnson, sometimes you don't even get one stroke out of it. Right, possibly. I, and then when, when we were fixing cars, and I didn't want to give you a lead-in to tell you what I was talking about. It's an old Johnson. There's a lot of problems uh, getting old Johnsons started. It's a lot of work to Yeah, yeah, when they start wearing out. Right. Those old Johnsons Especially come the, useless. The old white Johnsons. The old white Johnsons, yeah, yes. Big. And, and are, the big ones are They're hardest. underpowered. Yeah. The, they're, they're underpowered. They're, yeah, they're like, <laughs> the lacking, lacking the vigor of a younger Johnson. <laughs> you know, there is a, a music video out there called My Big White Johnson. Yeah, okay. You really should, you know, YouTube that. Well, we, on a car, we used to always say when it's, it's a Johnson rod. <laughs> we used to make up things like this. What's wrong with your car? And you tell a girl, I think it's your Johnson rod. <laughs> you need, is that kind of like you need your kind of, I think you need, yeah, you're going to need... Um, I think we're going to have to um, fix. Uh, I, I I told the girl, I said, "What's what's wrong with your car?" I said, "I have to fix my Johnson rod right now." <laughs> so that was kind of uh, that was That's a good. So what did she wind up doing? Well, she bought it, but um, with some advice from me, <clears throat> and I gave her a list of parts that she's going to need because her old white Johnson parts were not going to work her new Suzuki, black Suzuki. Oh, oh my God! We're opening up a whole con- I'm just, a white Johnson replaced by a black right because Japanese. Now, motor. mind you, you would really want to have the proper gauges. So it's a Japanese motor. Is it smaller? It is. It is. Uh, no, is it, it a is, smaller? I didn't mean to say more it power. Is the same horsepower. Yeah, but, but size I'm not wise, really sure if the she size has really the right shaft size, shaft and that's size. another thing that we went over <laughs> because size. I was like, you, know, you said that? Of course, it's a shaft length. Right, so you can get like a twenty-inch shaft, you get a twenty-five-inch shaft, you get a thirty-inch shaft. So I really hoped that the shaft of the new Suzuki that she got was comparable to the shaft size of her Johnson. So the size does matter. Jack plate. Jack plate. Right. So oh my god, I even know we got down. So that it sits at the right length under the water. What kind of perv invented all this nomenclature? Right. Jack plate. So do you want to hear the best part? What? The best part is that I had to tell her. Um, that if her husband is going to derig this motor by himself, he needs to understand that when he pulls out the wiring harness, which is only for a Johnson, then well, I know need, about wiring harness. That he yeah. needs to tie a string to it, right? As he pulls it through the actual frame of the vessel, because it has a lot of kinks and corners and travels yeah. to make to go from the transom into the helm. Uh huh. So I said, just tie a string to the end of it when you pull it out. Yeah. So therefore, when you're ready to put in your new Suzuki harness, yeah, you have the string. Oh, to, to get it. Yes, absolutely. So she had no idea, and I said, you know what? If you have any questions, feel free to send me an what email. What the hell would they do if they had done that? What do they? Have, what do they, they have to do? Well, you would have had to use um like rigging wire, and rebend it through the entire channel from the transom up to the helm, uh, and yeah. then. Yeah, it's, it's. Is there a way to jury rig it and just lay it in, lay it in along well, the? Well, you couldn't. Inside? Otherwise, you'd have to pick up the floor, right? Because the, if you look at a boat, right, the rigging tube comes out by the transom and it hooks mm-hmm. to the engine, and then you don't see any of those wires at all. They go up into the inside of the helm and up underneath where the gauges are, up underneath where wow, all. Oh, that hidden. was a good. Um, right? So I told her to tie a string to it, tie a rope to it, 
before you pull out the old harness because then you can use that same rope to f- to feed through your. New you think harness. she uh, pulled a string onto her husband's That's, Johnson rod well, and, and this is what I'm on saying. Right so now? she needed to put a string onto the Johnson harness. <laughs> Johnson harness. Been able to pull it through, so you can find the. It new sounds like something you get on a gimp outfit or something like that. This, it's, like this. It, this is like perverse. Yeah, it's terrible. I didn't even realize. No wonder you. Which were like, takes us to the yeah. When you said that, so anyway, I said um, like this. We're going to tell the whole story, and then I was going to wait, and that, but I wasn't going to hijack it totally. I just wanted. Yeah. It was funny that you mentioned that. I did tell her to consult YouTube videos before mm. she starts. Um, Which is a fuck. Disassembling. I mean, anything. you can do. <laughs> I know YouTube videos. They make <laughs> jokes about it all the time. I watched a YouTube video. Of, what was the commercial last year? I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. Well, I did watch a YouTube video. I mean, if you do a lot, if you do your Wikipedia research, read your manuals, read, go over how a specific task is to be done on a specific model, make a model of a, a vehicle or a boat, you can get... They can walk you in step by step. And there's some, obviously, there's certain techniques and there's finesse with handling certain tools. And I'm not even getting to that innuendo part. I'm talking about the finesse of being able to do something. Like, I remember, I told you a story about me changing changing a fender. They didn't have YouTube videos when I did. Back in college, I had a, a 1980... AMC Levi edition AMC Hornet. Nice. Yeah, it was white with a Levi interior. And not a really good one, you know? They didn't even have they didn't even use a good um they didn't even denim. use real Levi's. They didn't no, it was real thin They're kind like of upholstery. Fake, yeah, it looked it looked yeah, thin. And I look I'm pissed. <laughs> but I bought it. I bought it for two hundred bucks. That sucker lasts for a long time. I, my brother crashed into a wall of a, um, uh, the base of a bridge Ouch. on uh, the Schuylkill Expressway after one icy thing. He was going on his co-op then, and he brought it back, and the front uh, right side was, or left side was crumbled. So I went to a place in Philly called Jimmy's Used Auto Parts. If you some they had this all in jingle, I still remember the jingle. If you want to play the thing, then the thing this starts come to Jimmy's used autos parts, and they had a commercial thing. So you go there, and I asked for a fender, and the guy gave me a fender, and I said, oh, "Give me a bumper too," and it was like thirty bucks. Yeah, which was a big outlay for money for my vehicle that costs two hundred bucks. Yeah. So I go, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to have a, th-. and then it's green and a white thing. I had to, I ended up spray painting it. And uh, got to do what you got to do. I spray painted it. It was it was perfectly fine. Two hundred dollar car. I wanted it to be the same color. I didn't. I didn't want it to be that. So I had the crumple up bumper and the crumple up fender, and I took off the bumper. I was on a roller board, and I'm in Philadelphia, and we're in far northeast. It wasn't row homes. We actually had driveways. There were twins, big twin homes, mm-hmm. and I'm in front of my house, and the car is flat. Uh, in front of the house, we, I, it's a it's an angled driveway going up. So I didn't put the car there because I didn't want the car rolling on me. I put it on flat in front of the house, and I'm on the roller board. I'm getting underneath to get the bolts, and I got the bumper that's kind of bent in about good twelve inches, and on the AMC Hornet, and I get this bolt off, and the bumper just kind of releases like a rubber band, and and it was. January, so I was wearing a lot of clothing, and it hits me square in the chest, and it knocked me 20 feet. 
Rollerboard. Okay. Rollerboard um, right there. The the mechanics, that's called a creeper. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it knocked me 20 feet across, and uh, the Italian guy across the street, he's barely spoken English, he goes, are you okay? And like that, and I'm going running over there. I'm like, he says, your face is really red. He said, he said after a while, I didn't know what he was saying, but he said, your face is red. I was embarrassed, you know? I said, like, had people watching what I was doing. So I got that off, and I um, got the bumper off, and then I got the, the fender and I had these other replacement parts. And God damn it, don't you know it? I was able to physically bend everything back with a small crease in the former white bumper. I ended up using the green one anyway because it was pristine. I paid for it. I was going to be able to return it. Right. And I, I put on the bumper and the bumper. Um, I don't know if I bought the bumper. I don't think I bought the bumper. I just, uh, I just bent that back into place. You can physically just bend that bumper back That's in. That's crazy. I know, I know. It wasn't, well, it wasn't Especially like, it was 1980. No, no. It was, it, they weren't using that heavy oh, yeah. a gauge anymore. They were anymore. pretty paper thin. Yeah, they were 80s. pretty uh, thin. But my, uh, that's the same car my brother put a, uh, a $400, uh, what is it, Blah Punk or something like that? Blah Punk? Yeah. This means Blue Point. Yeah. Or whatever, real, real nice radio. Yeah. In the, in the car that has a detachable uh, tuner front and i was like what the fuck ted if they go one time the guy ended up breaking a window i got the i replaced it well, i was able to replace windows too broke the rear window to steal it i said ted you just take that off that piece off when you go in there but they broke in i think they broke in to steal the radio and had a shitty amc or whatever radio you used in there before but in, like unless you're going to replace the speakers yeah What's it? Why the hell are you replacing the radio? Because it's only good as the speakers that are yeah, going that's out. True. So yeah, that car. And then eventually, what happened to that car? I don't know what happened to it. I think I eventually I ran over a I ran over a industrial ladder with it on I ninety five. Jeez, fell off of somebody's truck. Huh? Fell it off uh, someone's truck, and I ran across it. It was perpendicular. Yeah. So I didn't run over it. Oh, the the thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, that was uh, that that made it through that too, and it also I did a um, a spin out in the, in it and it recovered it on I ninety five at around like seventy miles an hour. Yeah, that was the scariest car I ever. Also, oh, I forgot to tell you the dirtiest part. What? Um, that when I had to explain to her that when you go from a two stroke to a four stroke, if you are using a premix in your fuel tank, that yeah. you will have to call the pump out guy. To pump out all the old fuel, so oh yeah, you had to clean I, that out. I told her that you had to clean it out too. You have to run it, something through. You have to clean it out and run fresh mm-hmm. fuel through it. Yes, because you have to, you know, premix. Obviously, you're adding your two-stroke oil to the gas. I heard a story of people when, when so we replaced I these her, I said, diesel engines with gasoline out, engines. No, they the ga- gasoline with diesel engines. That that's <laughs> one thing. Every so often, you hear it's the one thing they did not decide to. Uh, which is kind of funny, considering that's a rather intricate job to do, because you have a whole different ignition system, glow points and all that stuff. Glow plugs, yes. Glow plugs. Well, no, they don't have them anymore, but they used to. No, no, but I'm talking years ago, and then they, but they wouldn't change the fuel out in the tanks, and then they... Yeah, and then you detonate you know. your gas engine. Yep. Yeah, or vice versa. They're, they had this thing, what do you, what'd you call that? You spray that into your carburetor what was that stuff that get people guys used to spray in their carburetor it was almost just like to blow the shit out of their ether yeah that was scary too you know 
Oh, it's just the kind of shit. That's the shit we used to do. I'm Nowadays, a carburation monster. I like carburation and I like DC. Keep on so, talking. I'll get a replacement right here. Yeah. Oh, so, you see what I did, right? how funny. Wait, did I see what you did? What did you do? I brought, I got this. Uh, He's talking off mic. He said, I brought, I brought something. He's opening his bag. He is. He is. During the hurricane. During the hurricane. Abby had frozen up these bags of uh, the hurricane, the approaching hurricane, the Dorian, where we didn't come, froze up a bunch of bags of uh, ice. Oh, yes. So I did what that I too. Did, I used my ice maker and just loaded all the freezers. Yeah, so we, we had all this ice, so I'm using it up until next time, so we make room in. We may have to do it. Who knows? There's a couple. There's a couple storms in the basin right now. There are a couple out there. Humberto, I think it was that yeah. in the Pacific. Well, Humberto is supposed to be named if it turns into a tropical yeah. storm. That's the one that's out there. Um, that is honestly just outside the Bahamas. But they were saying that that's probably not going to turn into anything. That it's not. just going to be a rainy weekend for us. We can already feel the wind. Yeah, a uh, little bit windy today. A little yep. choppy on the bay. Oh, but it is. Yeah, a little bit choppy out there. Okay, well, yeah, and then they, there's uh, a couple coming off Cape Verde right now. Yes, Cape from the Green. Cabo Verde Islands. Yep, and it, it's it's the peak right now. It is. This is an active month. We've had at at any given time about five storms out mm-hmm. here in the tropical basin. But yeah, it's, no reason. It's a great time to come down here. You know, we've had we've been very busy at the catch. The other thing we, is this uh, what? too, right? The Bahamas. We were talking well, about the Bahamas, right? There is only the two most, most northern island areas of the Bahamas that were affected by the yeah. storm. There is a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. And there's a less and than, no, are, what did he say? There was less than 15% of their hotel rooms were affected. Exactly. And the thing is, is that, they still you, need money. You know, well, you, you can't, you know, if you go to Grand Bahama right now, half of it is, is pretty messed up. And pretty much all of Abacos is pretty messed up. But there's yeah. no reason you can't go to Bimini. There's no reason you can't yeah. go to the southern islands. Yeah. And all of, all of the Bahamas is being affected by this tourist-wise because the people aren't coming. Yeah. Thinking that everything is destroyed, but it's not. And they have limited resources anyway. Right. And they on a really, good day. really and depend and on and the and tourism. The and I will tell you right now, if you decided to go to the Bahamas, to the, you know, the areas that were not affected. Like Atlantis? Yes. If you want to go to any of the areas of the Bahamas that are not affected, so I mean, stay in the southernmost area or go to the central area. But they, they, they thrive off of tourism. And right now, the rest of the islands are suffering as well because the lack of tourism. You want to do something to feel good, to do something to contribute to Bahamas. You know what? Get one of these last minute deals. I'm su- I'm surprised more people don't do those things. They have those travel sites. When you find out you got the, you know, f- three, four days free, you just hop on a plane. Uh, you, you can fly into uh, Nassau and you can, yes, I, you're, you're there. Um, you know, there's not a lot of travel and stuff like that. If you can go, if you can get a, if you're near an airport that has a direct flight to the Bahamas. Well, and Nassau, of course, was not not affected, affected. by the storm. Also, um, the Andros Island was not affected. No, nope. is that the Cat largest island? Exumas, Long Island, Crooked Island. I mean, they're all just waiting for people mm-hmm. to show up. Yep. So and and of course a lot of those other islands that weren't affected are taking in a lot of the evacuees from yeah, refugees from, from from Bahama the, the Grand, Bahama. Grand Bahama. So you know you know who's that you know who lived right in Grand Bahama uh, uh, Sean Connery. 
What's that? Sean Connery. What about him? He, he lived in the, oh, the, really? uh, one of the islands. You he know, and his wife. They were talking about Sidney Poitier, too. <laughs> that um, he's got ma- many family members that are unaccounted for. Because Sidney, Sidney Poitier, Poitier, he's still alive? Sidney Poitier is Poitier. still alive. He's uh, in 90, I believe. 90. Okay, yeah. There's 80, many, uh, many um, of his um, relatives. Uh, uh, Sean Connery's 89. Yeah. So yeah. So he was there. Um, well, he was there. He was there. He went. He He, he went? No, they stayed through. Oh really? Yeah, did their uh, their place uh, survived? Obviously, Connery. Right. Well, obviously, that's so Connery supposedly had a place um, here in Key Largo. Oh, that wasn't surprising they, me at all. I think it was Goldfinger up in Miami when they filmed. Well, that actually was it. Miami. Yeah, no, yeah. You it was in Miami, not right. Not, yeah, yeah, not in the Keys. But, yeah, the one in the Keys. Um, the one in Keys was licensed to kill. I thought that was in Jamaica. Actually. No, that's live and let die. Was it live and let die? Live and let die with. Uh, I see. Uh-huh. I'm got. I'm pretty good with uh, right. James Bond stuff. And um, also, Casino Royale was filmed partly in Miami and uh, I think the Bahamas. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Now, Sydney Poitier was, I believe, born and raised in, on Cat Island in the Bahamas, which mm-hmm. was unaffected, but many of his family members lived in the Oh, you know, it's perfect timing now. So It is perfect timing. So we're going to go to talk, uh, come it, back and talk about daytime strippers. And my reasoning that. behind it, it, how the economy is affected, uh, I'm going to use a metaphor for daytime strippers. We'll All be right. back in a moment. If you want to get your information about the Florida Keys straight from the locals who live here and the ones who love it here, we've got you covered. Visit 43keys.com as your source for everything Florida Keys. Sign up for our newsletter and you'll always be up to date on all the Keysy stuff that's going on down here. Go to 43keys.com. That's the number four, the number three, keys.com and sign up today. Hi, we're back, and uh, back to the episode we called uh, 2005. 2005! 2000 again? 2000, 2000 again! We jump ahead 18, no, 205. into the future. I, had, I like to insert a big zero when I'm, uh, I guess uh, I don't I guess I you just like to add an extra zero. Extra zero, just I'm a Y2K. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily, but it's daytime strippers. I was reading today how... Um, Food delivery apps and companies, yeah, two hundred billion dollar business in the United States. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> they're not necessarily generating that type of income, but they're generating that type of investment. People that are willing to um, the amount of business, and uh, it's similar to the business model of Uber. And uh, we mentioned on a previous show that how it's bad for. Uh, restaurants, but restaurants feel they have to participate, otherwise they miss out. Right. So, this the metaphor with the daytime strippers. If you're a strip club, right, and you don't want to just be open six to two, you want to be open in the daytime. You have to service the people that come in in the daytime. And when I call it a daytime stripper, a daytime stripper is not necessarily, my apologies if you're not one, one of them, are not necessarily the youngest, most attractive strippers. They're usually ones that have been around the block a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this the, kind of comparable to daytime bartenders? It is similar to daytime bartenders. But you know what? With daytime bartenders, because um, it's supposedly the idea behind it 
you, you, you got to, if you're working nights, you owe your boss uh, coverage. Because you can't just be working the biggest nights. Now, we have, I have the people I work with that only work a big night and they lost a band night, one of the people I know. And it's yeah. like, ah, tough shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, because you, if you can't make your night big, you know, and on the biggest night, sometimes they got more bartenders, you make less. So if you're a good bartender, you can handle the bar yourself and stuff like that, then you can, you can, at evening, you can make a good one. And some daytime, beer. daytime, daytime, sometimes I make about, 70%, 75% of what I make at night. Right. And it's a set time you're out. A set time you're in and a set time you're out because you come in when it opens and your shift change comes in. At night, if you're busy, you could go on. So you could end up working two more hours and that could eat up your time. So yeah, there's a lot to be said. But when you're working um, a daytime stripper, you're not making that money. You don't get the crowd. The guys aren't drinking like that during the daytime. If there are not that many guys, right. if you're off, you have that much free time. I mean, in a big sip, you know, in a big in New York, in, in like uh, I think it's called the Spearmint Rhino in New York or something like that. There's a big one. There's another one, a famous one in New York City, the, Manhattan. Yes, you can get some great daytime strippers there, but in Northeast Philly, no way. <laughs> So what I'm suggesting is that there's people that work those because they have to, and they do coverage and stuff like that. So when it comes to Uber, let's go back to Uber and Lyft. And we're in the Keys. And the phenomenon that just occurred, now I'll attribute this to the food delivery apps. Uh, one day I had a neighbor walking down the street, a guy that I don't normally see walk down the street, and he goes, oh, I left my car at... The mechanics down near Publix, I don't want to say what it is, yeah. but um, he was walking back and he says, you know, I couldn't get, the, the taxi wasn't around and there was no Uber. There's no Uber. Now the thing with Uber, it's all requires demand. There's no set time for it. They don't pay people to be on duty. They work when they're going to get work. If there's a very, when it's very slow, there's very limited. Ubers. Ubers. Now. When it's busy on the holiday weekend, there's a shitload of Ubers. There's Ubers from Miami to come down and stuff like that. So what happens when that happens? What happens to the local taxi company? The local taxi company that always has a vehicle on the road. They get squeezed out. Yeah. They can't make money during the most popular time, time, the most highest uh, volume. They can't make it. The the drivers can't make anything like that. So what happens, we become more underserved. Imagine if that was a fire department. And a fire department got called when there's fires, right? When there's more fires. Let's say a holiday weekend. And then when there's no fires, there'd be like limited firemen around. And then all of a sudden you have a big fire and there's no firemen. Same thing down here. Right. You have a need for you need, have a need for taxi service. It's it, that's why in New York they treat it like a public utility. Well, they have to have that. They have to have these. Um, I'm going to throw this way. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, they have to have these. It's it's part of their network uh, transportation system. But did you see that article today about New York taxis? What about how um, there's there's a there's a lawsuit that they're planning on an investigation, all this stuff, because they have to apply for a medallion. Yeah, a million dollars. A million, $1.7 million for somebody. Oh, $1.7 million. $1.7 for somebody that makes thirty grand a year. And they're interest-only payments, and half of those people don't speak English as a first language. And they are signing documents. They can't, they're, what do they say? 
30 percent oh and then now and now you, you know uber and with uber and stuff like that right. they can't compete and stuff like that why why that's the thing why do they have to pay be managed like a utility when uber and lyft doesn't have to operate underneath it the the their employees, for whatever reason, work for them and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with their employees. You got to make a buck and stuff like that. But what happens is you're driving out the people that were servicing. Yes, there were shitty cabs. They were smelly. They couldn't speak English and stuff like that. But they were out there every day yes. picking up. Waiting for so now day. you're going to, when it's real slow. So when it's really slow in... Um, I remember in Philadelphia when it was really slow, you could get a taxi in like 15 minutes, 15, 10 minutes if you call to your house. Okay. Now, when it's really slow, it could take an hour and a half. If there's no one on the road, right? there's no one on the road, you can wait an hour and a half. You may not, I mean, it, uh, the bigger cities are easier served by Uber and stuff like that, but these taxi companies that used to service everyone, they're not around. It's crazy. They're getting in. And that's They're what happened. All that's what happened in these small, in these small communities. Bankruptcy. These small communities get totally fucked. Well, Whenever, let's just think of Sturgis. Sturgis in um, South Dakota. Yeah. Okay? Uh, they have their big biker uh, things. Rally. Right? And, and those guys, even those guys, man, they don't like riding around drinking and uh, riding their bikes. So they need to get taxis and stuff like that. I bet whatever Uber driver is within 100 miles is in Sturgis... Making the money. Making the money. But there used to be a, probably a guy that lived there that had his own little cab company. Right. They used to drive around, and he's not making dick now. And he's now he's and now he's got to cut. He's getting some dickhead coming in from 100 miles away. He's coming in undercutting his prices. Yeah. And the time when he used to make, you know, maybe 35% of his income, right. now he's down to, wait, 5 Which 10%? Which is like, you know, kudos to Uber and Lyft because they had figured out a business plan and, and they followed through with it and they're making a ton of money. It's a, you but know it's what? horrible. It's a shitty business plan, like I said. Because just like much horrible of, what Just like what's going to happen with, with the... Um, we'll go and explain this one with the um, pharmaceutical companies when it came to opioids. Because there's big lawsuits now. And actually, uh, Purdue Pharma has to pay out. It has to go bankrupt and pay out all the profits that it had. And the family that controlled it, they got all the... They finally... um, Some of the people didn't destroy all their emails. Oh. And they got the whole backstory about what happened with the opioids, how to market them, how addictive... They knew they were addictive... And then when he got real addictive, they started getting, and they realized there was a huge market for the drug to get people off the addiction. They got into that. Well, of course, yeah. What's Those that motherfuckers. Is that, meth- is that meth- methadone? Meth- no, methadone's for heroin and stuff heroin, like that. Okay. So there's no, but there's whatever, no whatever, and, and then got into the, they got in, uh, they got into the, the drug for people that were opiate addicts that had, that had, uh, opiate dependencies that had problems with, um, being constipated. They got into marketing those drugs. They were marketing to the symptoms of the crisis they created. Right. And the family that made billions of dollars wanted to say, listen, we're going to try to do everything right. And these, District attorneys, a lot of them Republicans that are traditionally pro-business. They're pro-business when business isn't actively fucking people over. Right. Actually, a lot of these people, I know I digress a little, a lot of these Republican district attorneys and stuff like that, they're going to say, fuck you, we're going after your personal fortune. 
Yeah. You're criminally responsible, just like a drug dealer. Because you just knew. like a drug dealer. You right, you knew. were being a legal drug you dealer. Knew. You knew. You knew when it's a town in West Virginia that they're sending a million doses a month there, and there's only three thousand people in the town. Come on. You you have to you have to keep it. You say, hey, there's something going on here, but so with Uber, let's say. They have, uh, I mean, they, their guys went to Wharton, Harvard Business School. They know macro and microeconomics. How much does it cost for a payment on a car when you have UberX? You have UberX, which is their premium service. Right. Well, you, UberX means extra. Right? Extra, like yeah. Big, Uber, a bigger car. A bigger car, yeah. a better car, uh, usually a black car now. They said it normally has to be black. It used to be black in the beginning. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. A black car. And... It, you'd have to have uh, uh, more stringent service for review and cleanliness and all that stuff, and you, they charge a premium for it. But in the end, you scrunch the numbers and stuff like that, what people are paying on these cars and what they get paid. Right. It's just a percentage. It doesn't, mo- it doesn't really wash. They're not they're, – I mean, in the, in the end, it's just like – and just like these um, shopping apps. I told you I had that – Company, yeah. the company delivery for the keys, and I started. I was charging a premium. Some deliveries, if someone, if someone from one of these wealthy communities who wanted a delivery from, they wanted Whole Foods, and they wanted to get a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries. I go up there and shop, and it's a pain in the ass to shop. Right. These people are doing it now for eight bucks an hour. Right. And they're driving. And stressful, and they're getting shit for it to get the back. Right. And their own vehicles. Their, with their own, own vehicles. Car insurance. With their car insurance and stuff like that, making minimum wage, maybe a tip. And some of these companies, which we did, uh, I don't know if it was Grubhub or another one, but the, the, the credit card tips was being used to defer the wage. Yes. It wasn't being used as it was intended, yes. as a tip to the driver, where at, this was a supplement to their wage. That's what a tip implies this is just on top of it yeah. this is not something that goes through the hands of the employer it does have to go to the hands of an employer if you're going to accept credit cards you're going to have to accept the thing an employer sometimes used to say and we had this discussion on the um podcast before yeah. some of these people want to charge the processing fee to the employees right for three percent the four percent yeah yeah well if they get the and especially when they people tip really high and they said, well, we got to pay over more. I said, do you realize what you're saying? It's because you provided, as an employee, provided premium service to someone who uh, made them, inspired them to tip you greatly. You're going to penalize me and for excellent service. more of my... Take my money yep. from a person that has money to spare. Now, that's the thing about credit cards. And you know, American Express, American Express has a, is a premium service and stuff like that, and there's a reason why we take American Express. There's some places that are popular enough, they don't take credit cards, and we know one down here. Yes, we do. The Caribbean Club. Yes. They do not take credit cards. Nope, there's an ATM in the corner. The ATM, like. take that. And I, and I tell you what, you're going to pay a fee when you go to that ATM as well. It's fine. Or you could just, no, we know. Or just bring We cash. know, bring cash when you go to. Right. Yeah, yep. that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Now, you know what? Maybe if, if, 
if people said, hey, for a restaurant, we're going to call them the cash only. Right. The cash yeah. instead of the catch. Yeah, the cash. It's all cash. We're going to keep our prices back. We're going to hold our prices for five years. Same price. We're not going to accept one credit card. Right. Yep. Well, the other thing is, too, is that when, when someone tips on a credit card, yep. right, then there is no denying of the dollar amount of what that tip was. Right? So let's say somebody tips you $10, mm-hmm. and then your boss is going to take... Well, not this one. The, ca- like, the cash well, gives you no, everything. The cash the gives you... They give us everything, and they give it... And let, let's say to the credit. They give it to us. They give it to us that night. Right. There's a lot of restaurants out there that collect them. There's a lot of them that pool them. There's a lot of them that take them and decide how much they're going to give. Right. Which is some fucked up shit. But for example, let's say you work for one of those restaurants that does that fucked up shit and you got tipped $10. Yeah. And then they are going to charge you back the 3% credit card merchant 30, fee. 30, yeah. Right? And then on top of that, they're going to report that $10 extra to your income. Yeah. Which, because you're a bartender in this state, right, you're not regulated to be paid minimum wage. You might make 3 or $4 an hour, possibly, mm-hmm. right? So now... I do better than that. Right? But now your tips are being accounted for on the credit card bill. Therefore, you're being taxed on your full tip as well. I mean, the reason that the, the, that, that the whole minimum wage doesn't apply to it's a, a wink, It's a wink and a nod. Right. Because if you're not going to provide an income, a living income, through your payment, then you've accepted that this industry is somewhat exempt. Somewhat right. exempt. I didn't say exempt from paying taxes. Somewhat. They have to report. Mm-hmm. And if they say you got to report 100% of it, what are you going to get? Well, eventually, you know, it's going to fucking... You, the, the, McDonald's is going to eventually... Eventually, one of these fast food places, you are not... There may be less than... In five years, there's going to be less and less humans working at those places. Well, and considering what... I'm not saying it's just not that great a job. They do run their commercials, talk about people going to college and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's some of these small towns and stuff like that. It's fucking great. Yeah. You know, they got these scholarship programs and there's stuff. There's a lot of them that work there for their entire careers. Mm-hmm. They start there in high school as a part-time job, and they finish out. They retire at 65 from freaking McDonald's. Like some of those. Oh, I mean, some, corporate, some, like corporate, right, McDonald's right, corporate. Right, right. I mean, there's a, a, there is a, there is a company, there is a company in, uh, um, I'm not, I'm not tooting the horn of it in my local state, but there's one called Wawa. You heard of it? Well, yeah, they're starting to open Wawa's down here. You know about their 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 profit sharing company? They are a profit sharing company, yep. much like Costco. Yes. And Costco has been very successful. They held the line. Their customer service is excellent because once you have buy-in from the employees, holy shit! Uh, Kathy and Paige do that pretty much at where I work. Buy-in because we're listen. Profits. The profits go to us too. Right. When you consider the more successful they are, the more successful we are. Of course. That's not necessarily for any. I think. I think there's a couple other uh, places that do. Like public seems to be very good at yes. cultivating their employees. Yep. Um, down here's a local supermarket. Plus, um, they're in the meat cutters union. Yep. Okay. Everybody that works at grocery. everyone that works there. Everybody that works at a grocery. Is it a meat cutters union if they're part of the union? So a lot of the little mom and pop, little tiny grocery stores yeah. like Fairways and stuff like that, some of those aren't. 
But if you have a butcher shop, yep. a legit butcher shop, you have to be in the meat cutters union. Wow. Yep. Well, I guess that's just a food uh, it, safety uh, thing. It is. Would you want? Yeah. Would you want anybody? You know, dispensing. Oh, well, if you ever read the the book The Jungle by Sinclair, it was uh, written in the early 1900s. It was about the meat packing industry. Ah. And it was horrible. And then when it came out, people realized the working conditions they had, the, the food safety, the how the, how their food was being handled, the amount of, of vermin that was present yeah. in their processing plants and things like I that. I wish my sister was here for this conversation right now. No, no. But what happened? So it, changed, it, changed, it changed the industry. Yeah. Because people had no idea. They had no idea. It's just like when human trafficking came around. You know, and people say, well, when it came around, human trafficking has been going on forever since from slavery, from the invention of slavery. But that's what human trafficking is, that you're you're taking advantage of someone to do that. But where were we at at this point? I, will, I have to tell you something, though, that I know um, on an inside track. Yeah. So I know a uh, commercial truck driver. Right. And that like specific commercial truck driver was a owner operator and uh, basically drove his own semi. And then you just use other people's trailers, like a van trailer, yes. not a flat, flat, not a flat bed trailer, but a van trailer is something enclosed. And then there's, yeah. there's right. a reefers, they call them reefers, reefers right? Like a re- refrigerators, right? So I knew a trucker, still know this trucker that hauls reefers for, um, Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Okay. And they have other affiliates as well. Aside okay. From Taco Bell. And was one time. Um, stopped by DOT, and the trucker has to carry a package that has the key to the lock of the reefer, right? So when they were inspected by DOT to make sure that there was nothing you know, inappropriate being hauled in this refrigerated vehicle, frozen, mm-hmm. actually, vehicle, um, opening it up upon inspection, there was uh, sides of beef hanging from the top of the trailer, uh-huh. right? And when... They shined the light inside to show all of the frozen sides of hanging beef mm-hmm. heading to Taco Bell. Yeah. <clears throat> there was gaping holes, like drilled out holes, like if you were to take a hole saw and drill right through these sides of beef. Absolute holes. Yeah. Where it looked like polka dots. And... um when questioned about it, he questioned it because yeah. he was like, well, I don't really understand. I mean, I, I just work for this trucking company. I just picked up this truck. I'm hauling it from here to here. I don't understand why these sides of beef have holes all in them. And it was the DOT officer that told him, well, that's because that's where they take the tumors out. Oh, wow. So basically, every time there is a side of beef that's hung, they actually have to x-ray that and put... Before they can put it into food service, they have to remove every single cancerous tumor that's in the side of beef, which depending on the different parts of the country, as he learned over time, many, many years. That was actually legal. And it's absolutely legal as long as you remove the cancerous tumors from the sides of beef. Oh, okay. Well, and that's that a- is that was specifically the food that was delivered to, like I said. Well, you know what? I don't think we're ever going to get anything with Taco Bell thing, which is fine because I haven't no. eaten at Taco Bell for years. I always associated with that. If I ever did a cross commercial thing with Taco Bell, it would be to Taco Bell with uh, Pepto Bismol and depends on the garbage because well, yeah, I always had diarrhea right. after. Is, this is technically hearsay because I'm telling uh-huh. you what somebody told me. But yeah. anyway. 
Um, I don't have anything I want to talk about. Whatever you guys do your thing. And I believe that all the rules have been regulated since then because this is going back very many years. Yes. But, um, yeah, for a while there, that's a little scary. Like, that oh, food, your, food, yeah. your ground beef is may well, food, or may food, not have had. Food there's, there's standardized procedures for handling of food, whether people do it. Now that, the way they adhere to it, right. now that is... And based uh, on inspections. Yeah, you know, like based that. on inspection when they come in there and And you know it. how quality control is. You may make 1,000 pieces of candy, but quality control needs to test two or three of them yep. to make them pass. So that's, that's a little spooky. Like, really. Well... Tumors. We, yeah. yeah, well, we... we, we that, that actually, we should... That's a whole, whole it, other it show. Really but we were talking about that, uh, how... These big companies, like I said, the food delivery companies, they come in. There's uh, restaurants that barely meet, uh, that barely make the profit. Require, yeah. And then you're going to ask them to contribute, the, because of the business model, contribute a portion of that profit to that. And then the, actually the food delivery company has to eat, I found out, has to eat the bad deliveries. Yes, they do. It's just like warranty, yes. Yeah, they have to eat the yeah. bad deliveries. And I say, they're losing. They haven't been making money. They're just like, uh, for years, Amazon didn't make money. Right. Uber didn't make money. Tesla hasn't been making money yet. No, didn't they file for bankruptcy? Uh, what? Tesla? No. Tesla, no. Tesla filed for bankruptcy? I thought they did. Nope. No? Okay. Nope. I didn't, I didn't hear that part. No, Purdue Pharma did. That's what I mentioned. No, I thought that too. Tesla, are you you checking out right now? I am. Well, what I'm saying is that these companies, they have these great ideas. uh, Yes, uh, providing more service. uh, But the the people that um, do the work right now, they're just doing it right now as a stock gap until they get uh, like Uber and Lyft. Believe it or not, when autonomous driving vehicles go out there and you're able to just figure out how to deliver it to their door without involving a human, they will, the first thing they'll do is get rid of those humans. You should, the skills you should have should not be for minimum qualified jobs. They should not be for the minimal. If that's, you're going to, the way you're going to market yourself, you're going to quickly be out of a job because anything that could be quickly automated will be eliminated. Right. So ask anybody that used to put it, uh, and I saw this in Willie, uh, what is it, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Oh. The guy that used to, he screwed on the uh, tubes, of two, uh, the tops on the tubes of tube space. <laughs> but then they got a machine yeah, and then- to do it on, and then he got fired. But then later on, he was hired to repair the machine to... Uh, we all to fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah to fix okay, it. Okay, so what I'm seeing is that it's, I don't see an actual yeah. filing for bankruptcy. No, there I, isn't. It's a rumor. I have, well, I have um, a article that's by Mike Guy that says, here's why Tesla will go bankrupt. No, they won't go bankrupt. You know what? I'll tell you. So, I'll, tell you why, I'll tell you why people do this, Jenna. The fossil fuel um, interest in the country have a big reason and service. Come on. You know, service oh, centers and parts, they're all against the electric, ve- the success well, of electric I mean, vehicles. Yeah. And I we mean, all the know eventually the electric vehicle is going to be successful and there's going to be an infrastructure for it and that's going to be done and it's going to be a foregone conclusion. Right now it's a hiccup for it. It's just like the people that said, um, 
that the, the television was fad right. yeah. and all that stuff. Or and that, cell phones, like, beepers. Uh, natural gas lamping was never going to, it was just yeah. a fad. It was yeah. just a phase. Well, natural gas, um, natural gas oil, the, the petroleum industry saved the whales. You know that? They saved the whales? You know that? No, tell me. Oh, until the uh, mid-1800s, the primary lighting was whale oil in uh, oh, Western, yes, yes. Western civilization. And then when in uh, the mid-1800s, uh, in Titusville, Pennsylvania, they, there was a uh, well was struck, and they got oil, and they realized oil, they can use oil, and then that stuff, and then natural gas and all that stuff, and that gas lighting and stuff like that. That was all... The thing, and but we go forward. We always go forward. It's going to be something different. There's going to be something different. Well, Eventually, like we're just saying, it. we're going to talk about it on the next episode. I think we got it. It's already almost fifty uh, minutes. We're almost fifty minutes. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I thought that it was similar with uh, Edison and his um, AC and his electric and, and his DC. Lighting. No, he was DC. He was DC. He was DC. Yes, but they uh, and Tesla and, and Tesla was AC. Nikolai Tesla but was AC. Didn't they say that um, it was just a fad that electric wasn't actually going to catch on, that they had to stick with gas? Well, and, and Edison, Edison said AC was a stupid idea. And he used to electrocute, he used to take animals and electrocute oh them. Oh, my God. It was a real dick move. Yeah. There's a funny, if, if you ever see Drunken History. Drunken History. Drunken History. There's one with John C. Riley, and I forget who plays Edison. <laughs> and or they get a drunk guy who's either a historian or someone is a fan of this historic episode, tells a story to get them drunk, and they have the v- drunk person doing the narration and the actors acting it out, but they're the voice. Also, it's hilarious. The one, Will Ferrell as Lincoln and Don Cheadle as Frederick Douglass. Don Cheadle oh my God, up. it's awesome. Okay, well, listen, I'm going to thank you. It's 50 minutes here. We're going to take a look. We have 50, 50. Episode 2005. 2005? <laughs> Unheard of. We'll be back. All right. Bye. For uh, 2006. Well, yes. 2006. <laughs>